Welcome into the DNVR Fantasy Podcast presented by DraftKings. Uh, great time to jump on that DraftKings Sportsbook app. I'm not sure what you guys are doing. If you're not with the start of college football and everything else, there's never been a better time. So thank you to DraftKings for supporting this show. You support them as you're enjoying this. And this is all about you because we've got a bunch of questions, a ton of stuff to get into. First off, I should mention Henry Chisholm, not here. He had other stuff to do. And we've we've upgraded uh, to Justin Michael, the man, the myth, the legend, you know him from the great uh, Rams coverage and college football coverage that he gives, but he's also, you know, dialed into all things football and the NFL. Hi, Justin. Thank you for coming with us. It's nice to get you on another of these. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, I think it's just safe to say you never, never trust a buff to do a Rams job, you know? It's, mm. it's just oh. <laughs> we are starting off with a bang, and that is how I like it. Justin, your fantasy teams are doing quite well, yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 five and one. I'm I'm leading my main league, wow. and then I'm in another league that's that's less serious. I'm four and two in that one, but the one I care about, five and one, hot start. I did have my first loss this past week though. A Raj only got me three points, absolutely killing me. Wow, yeah, A Raj really sucked last week. Didn't see that coming. It destroyed me in a million different ways. Do I like a bounce-back game for the Texans? He's definitely one of my low-key starts this week. Before we get into that, before we get into your questions, we did have some recent news that we want to kind of dig our teeth in as it does pertain to fantasy. Guy, you had kind of got us going um, before the show even started on this. So uh, tell the good people what's happening. Uh, Antonio Brown, due to be signed by the Seattle Seahawks. And Des Bryant due to be signed by the Baltimore Ravens. So if you're desperate, uh, like myself, uh, these are definitely pickups. That uh, I would say Antonio Brown is the more relevant of the two. But Des Bryant in a deeper league, if you, can, if you have the space on your bench. Worth, yeah. worth a shot, I think. So let's unpack these one at a time. Des Bryant is officially joining the Ravens on their 53-man roster today. Like that's the, uh, that's the, uh, I don't know if today necessarily, but he will be joining them at some point. Yes. Let me look up the exact. That seems like of the news. such an odd signing. Just the last time we saw Des Bryant was like two years ago with the Cowboys and he was kind of washed. Um, was he washed? I mean, or, do you think he would not be on an NFL freshman. roster for two years if he wasn't washed? I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. I don't think Colin Kaepernick was washed when he got, uh, you know, prevented from joining a team. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, Kaepernick I, wasn't starting in the league, but yeah, a much different case. Um, but in a very unique case, right? I don't think that comparing him to Kaepernick is like it's an apples to oranges. Yeah, is Antonio Brown washed because he has been on a team for a while? Yeah, I mean, He's been suspended, but or for. Big time reasons, same as Josh Gordon, you know. I still think there's talent there. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, I mean, I, my question is more with whether or not that Ravens offense has a strong enough passing attack to support a wide receiver to be viable at this point. Because Hollywood Brown, this was supposed to be his breakout year. He really hasn't. I mean, he had like what one good game outside of that, like Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay. 
they haven't really emerged either. And uh, Lamar Jackson has definitely regressed back to the uh, main as well. So that would be my bigger concern rather than Des Bryant's actual talent. What's your take on Des Bryant here, Justin? I like what he could potentially bring in the red zone, just, you know, even if he isn't necessarily the same explosive dude that he was before, he gives you a big bodied guy, gives you another target, especially with, you know, just what Baltimore can do from a play action perspective. Mm -hmm. I think you could probably open him up in the back of the, the corner of the end zone, do some stuff there, but I don't know. It's just, it's been so long since he's actually been relevant and, and I'm kind of skeptical that he can just come in all of a sudden and make an impact. But if, uh, if there was ever a year for something weird like this to happen and for it to work, I guess it would probably be this one. I'm really surprised that they would do this. I mean, really surprised. Um, I just don't see what sense this makes. Yeah, and it does sound like to their practice squad, but then, I mean... I would ride it out with Boykin. You know, clearly Marquise Brown is a much different uh, prospect. But you're right. If there was a utility for Brian, it's that he could be a more reliable red zone target, help take a little attention off of Mark Andrews, who's really their go-to guy, and give him a little more physicality down in the red zone too to help that running game get going a bit more. I think that's another thing that they'd really benefit from is a little more blocking from the receiving core, but I'm really surprised about this. To me, he's not fantasy viable in the slightest, and he's really not even fantasy relevant because he won't, he shouldn't impact Andrews too much. Uh, maybe he'll open up a little space for Andrews in the red zone, but we're talking about like 5% extra space. He won't impact Marquise Brown at all, though. I mean, so it might help like kind of on the fringes, but nothing beyond that. And he hasn't had a thousand yards receiving since. 2014 like Peyton Manning was still one of the best quarterbacks in the league back then so I mean it's been a while since he's been anything the other more ring the last time he was relevant there you go and nose rings are a great corollary to being a high level fantasy producers as Alvin Kamara and Zeke Elliott and this new generation of nose ring wears uh, even college football yep there you go the other news, Antonio Brown and the Seahawks showing real interest in signing him post-week eight when his suspension is lifted. Is that right? Um, that, to me, seems to have a lot of fantasy relevance simply because not so much that I want to sign Antonio Brown, but... As a Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf owner in a lot of leagues, this is very concerning to me. Like the amount of touches you're taking away is not good. Do you, do you think you actually would take away the touches is the thing? Because Russ has just such great chemistry with both of those dudes. I mean, we've talked about on the pod before that like this is an offense that can sustain three three wide receivers and David Moore has been kind of fantasy relevant um, this year at points. Uh, so in a way he'd just be a real upgrade over that David Moore position and can make their offense even more like dynamic and atomic. But with Metcalf already taking over as wide receiver one, Tyler Lockett falling off a bit the last few weeks, a signing like this would make me especially concerned as a locket owner 
And yeah, it'd make me a little concerned as a Metcalf owner because I think Metcalf has become like a top five fantasy player at all positions. And maybe that window is going to die off pretty quickly if he what? just becomes like more I of a I would be less concerned as a Metcalf guy. owner than I would as a Lockett owner. That's what I just said. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. I thought you were saying that you were concerned as a DK owner. I was saying, as a DK owner, I think it could lower his value from being like a top five oh. dude in all of fantasy to being more of just like a top 20, top 25 guy. I disagree. I mean, I think that there's... It downgrades you from elite status, set and forget type range. You mm, know? I don't think so. I mean, they don't really have a tight end to speak of there. So I think there's more targets to go around than on a normal team. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he would be taking up targets from the David Moores and whoever else. Right. I don't think it's going to eat into DK. Is my point. I think he's yeah, Russ just seems and to he's got a good chemistry with Russ. Tight ends good. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Tight ends. I'm not. Work. I'm not concerned about it. I mean, Antonio Brown is worth a speculative ad if you can get him. Um, I've seen him snapped up in pretty much all my leagues. I got him in one, but I'm not really holding that hope that he's going to do anything. I'm more. I don't know. I guess it's just insurance, but. I don't. I don't really see him just walking in and instantly hampering anyone else. Another How long would you feed, hold on man. to a guy like him? If guy uh, like if you're trying to get him for an insurance pick, trying to see, you know, maybe I'll just keep him on the bench for a couple weeks. You get because of the you guys that I'm month? dropping, the guys that I've been sitting on for six weeks that haven't done a goddamn thing. If I know they're not going to do anything for me, I might as well take a speculative ad. But in my heart of hearts, I don't think it's going to happen. It's worth it's worth a lottery pick is my point. So who are but, guys you've like dropped that are kind of like fringe uh, rosterable that you're like, meh, if it's between him and Brown, I'll go Brown. Well, uh, Mecole Hardman was one of them. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I mean, he That's an interesting one. Yeah. And Sammy Watkins is back to healthy. So I don't see him. I mean, he's had his chance at this point, and he kind of plays the same role that Tyreek Hill does. Yes. So to me, I almost treat him like a handcuff to Tyreek Hill. Yes. Where if Tyreek Hill were to go down, then he fills that role. But with Tyreek Hill there, uh, he's kind of irrelevant. And uh, he, I don't think he saw a single, or he may have seen one target last week. Yeah, but outside of that, Robinson like you know, yeah, outside that, you know, you're not getting anything from him. He really um, is Tyreek Hill in assurance, and we've talked about how Tyreek Hill from a week-to-week basis can be yeah. quite um, feast or famine, and he's, yeah, he's a, that's a great way to put it. He's a handcuff for... Yeah, and in my other league, the only reason I was able to add him was because we have, um, we have IR slots that um, they allow for suspended players to be on there, so he's technically still suspended. Yes. So I was able to add him for now just to grab him see what happens, and if uh, smoke turns into fire, then I can move him around in my roster and drop someone else, which at this point, if I look at my roster, who would I end up dropping? Let's see. Mm. Boston Scott, James White, LaMichael Perrine, Tyler Boyd, Travis Fulgham, Mike Williams. That is, whoa, I don't think I would really... At that Boston point, Scott, probably, just, probably, right? What? You'd rather Boston Scott? For this week, at least. Especially in a league where this is the league where we do the um, point-per-rushing attempt. So if there's no Miles Sanders to take rushing attempts away from, he's at least going to have that floor of, let's say, 15 carries. That's 15 points. But you'd rather have and one good week of Boston Scott on your bench than potentially Antonio Brown for the final eight weeks? Um, yeah. See, if it were me, I'd probably honestly drop LaMichael Perrine 
Yeah, I think that's an easy Just call. because the Jets are such garbage. I mean, I know he's going to take the starting role. I have him in a dynasty league where for long term, sure, there's a good opportunity there. But for this current year where they suck this bad and they don't have any game script that's going to allow them to run the ball consistently, I would be driving Michael Perrine for this instance. That's the guy I would choose. Because Travis Fulgham, no. Mike Williams, no. Tyler Boyd, obviously not. James White, I'm still... I'm still holding out hope that he can turn into something because I've seen him trend upwards. And the reason he didn't play a couple games this season was not due to an injury. So I'm not holding that against him. And I know that he has a rapport with Belichick. And I think he kind of, like, there's an opportunity for him in that backfield. So for me, it would be Lamickle Perrine that I would drop. But Monte Freeman or Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown. I don't, I don't want a piece of that. We've already discussed our hatred for the... You didn't like Saquon Barkley when he was the starting running back for the Giants. So yeah, we're, no, I we're would not talking take about Freeman. much different. You know, this is like the last spot on your roster. I know. I still, I don't want any, any piece of the Giants at this point. I mean, I'm trying to get rid of Evan Ingram over here, man. And he's like probably the only fantasy relevant player that they have. And he's not relevant. I wonder. I wonder. That's one where may, maybe, yeah. I'm, what, what a bet. Did I smell something? Sure. Devontae Freeman has more fantasy points than Antonio Brown the rest of the year. I mean, I think I'll double me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to take that just because he's already, he's already on there, but I just don't like Devontae Freeman. Just to me, like my end of bench guy, I want someone that, I mean, I guess he does have the potential, but I just, yeah, you can, I don't want someone that's going to get a consistent five points. Like, that's not fancy viable. It's not someone I want to start. I want someone right. who what is do you either going to get me zero or do? could break into that 10 to 12 to 15 range. If Freeman gets one lucky touchdown, he'll do that. My big thing is, especially because so many leagues are PPR at this point, I would value a wide receiver a little bit more at the end of the bench mm. just because they have a higher chance. Just if you get, if you get six receptions for 54 yards, that's not like a remarkable stat line. No, that's no, that's 11, good day. That's 11 and a half points, man. Like, sure? You didn't really produce, but you got 11 and a half points, and that's something. Yeah, so. no, that's true. Um, I hate to say it, Justin, another guy I'd probably drop um, for Antonio Brown is Olobisi Johnson, for example. Oh, yeah. I don't oh, even yeah, know if Olobisi Johnson's roster right now. Yeah. yeah, he's not. Yeah, once, he's not even getting offensive snaps. I know. Once yeah. Jefferson broke out, that was kind of the end for BC, who I thought would be more fantasy viable thus far. Preston Williams, Michael Gallup, those guys are killing it. On the other hand, Gallup, I think, next week is due for a big one. Anyways, as mentioned, we're going to tackle some questions before we get into start sits and other stuff uh, that'll kind of come up organically as we look at this. This, the conversations this week in fantasy have really shifted. We've been a lot of start sits, waiver wire up to this point. Now it's a lot more trades talk. It's a lot more dynasty talk. It's a lot more people in dynasties trying to figure out, am I going all in to win this year? Am I trying to rebuild and like kind of punting on this year? Uh, so we've got a lot of good ones. I love this kind of shift in conversation. And the ethics of tanking too. The ethics of tanking are a big one on dynasty. And we start with Jay Trav, who says, Hi, guys, quick question. I ended up having both Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray on my team, leaning towards trading Mahomes as he has the larger name value, and they seem to be putting up similar numbers. 
What do you think Mahomes' trade value is at this point? Should I be looking for an RB1, wide receiver one, or perhaps an elite tight end like Kittle? Thanks again. Ooh. Lots to unpack. You're for a dynasty? Is it? No, we don't have that information. We don't know it's a two QB. We don't know it's a dynasty. I'm assuming it's one QB. I'm assuming it's redraft. Because trading Mahomes in a two QB dynasty, I would just be. I would warn against it. You you need to get a king's ransom for that. I wouldn't trade either of those guys in a dynasty format. Exactly. Wait, who's the first quarterback again? Kyler and Mahomes. Oh my god. Look who you're talking to. He's looking good. So that's the thing. I don't, if you want to strengthen your team in a redraft, you can't get too picky. Like Mahomes or Murray, you feel good about either. You're just trying to upgrade your team. So you need an upgrade and you need a substantial upgrade. At the same time, I don't think you can get too picky in demanding exact value for Mahomes. Because you're really trying to attack an opportunity and use a strength, a depth strength, into a strength that you can also actually use on a week by week. So RB1, wide receiver one, or an elite tight end like Kittle, Kittle might be a really nice target because I don't know, man. Kittle Kittle owner is probably frustrated because he hasn't got a ton of points. You wouldn't trade Kittle for Mahomes? Kittle just had a, what was it, like a 140-yard week with a touchdown? I, I'm aware. Yeah, I know. He's also done this nothing point, this season because he's been injured. For that, though. See, for right. me, the way, that, the way that I would do this is I would package Mahomes with, say, a wide receiver two to then upgrade to a wide receiver one. I think that – I don't know if you can just do a straight-up one-for-one trade like this because the other team would have to – I mean – they would have to have a backup plan for that at that point. You know, you're giving them by packaging it with, say, I don't know. Who, who would That's why you can't get too greedy is you're not going to have a ton of teams that are like, oh, my quarterback is Drew Locke. I'd, I'd love to add Mahomes and have a big upgrade. Right, but you're also – but they're not just getting rid of a wide receiver – you're giving them a solution to losing their wide receiver, right. but also upgrading at quarterback yeah. while you consolidate into a better wide receiver. That's my point. You're not yeah, just giving them a straight up. It's harder to like, do than it looks. Well, I, I think that that's the smart way to go about it, though. Say if it's like a, I don't know. Who's a, who's a good wide receiver, too? Right He's now? looking to get more out of that, though. You know, He's uh, hoping well, to. I think, I think that he's a Lamb is a good wide receiver, then. too. Because they're, I mean, that's why Jay Travis asked. Yeah, but that's my, that's the only thing that I think would be viable, because I think that, uh, I think the quarterbacks are slightly overvalued in the, uh, when people go to trade them, because obviously the perception when you just watch the league outside of fantasy, obviously quarterbacks the most important position, but in fantasy, they're widely like there are decent options available on the waiver wire, like a Tannehill is a guy you could pick up on the waiver wire. He's playing pretty solid. Yeah, no one's like a QB league. There's no way you're getting Tannehill on the right. wire. At that right. point, this is yeah, it's a very different conversation. So we need more context, but at the same time, I think that the smart way to do it, especially with the quarterback, is to package them with someone else so that you're not just asking someone to lose one of their best players. You're giving them an option to replace that player, but also upgrade a different position while mm-hmm. you consolidate and 
upgrade at that one position. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of trying to sell them an upgrade at quarterback and trying to receive an upgrade at running back, wide receiver, tight end. Yeah, but you're not just straight up taking it from them. They're not just like, well, now I don't have this running back and I got to play it off my waiver wire. You're giving them a replacement option is my point. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only way you can structure that. Um, like, say if you did like a like a David Johnson and Patrick Mahomes for like a Joe Mixon or something. Like, you see what I'm getting at? Where a David Jones yeah. or a David Johnson is like serviceable as a running back too. Ronald like Jones. We, okay, Ronald Jones at this point is bordering on RB one, is he not? But isn't that someone though the perception might be skewed and you sure. might want to target as an upgrade? Yeah. You know, like so shoot for point. the yeah, yeah. shoot for the stars first. But you're giving yeah, you're giving someone a replacement for them. You're not yeah. just taking. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you got to structure it, probably, to make that work. I'd agree with that. TK Freeze. I actually was having a long conversation with him about different stuff during the week. So he's a loyal listener. Love that he brought this question up. Um, he talked about going into Monday Night Football. He was down 31 points in his league. His only player left, Kenyon Drake who scores <laughs> 32 points that night oh, to win it just by one point. He won the damn, damn game, um, and he's damn excited. Finally, Drake, you think this is all he needed to finally be a high-value RB1? Also, is it time to leave Juju on my bench until further notice? I have Judy, Tyler Boyd, Terry McLaurin, and Chase Claypool. Juju has not been at all what I thought he'd be this year. What three wide receivers should I be starting? Thanks, guys. Okay. I mean, we've already discussed how much Juju has disappointed and how I think Claypool has taken over the wide receiver one on that team. So it is obviously on a week-by-week basis in terms of the other guys. But for the foreseeable future, I would say in any instance where Pittsburgh is going up against a bad secondary or has a favorable matchup, you should always be starting Claypool rather than Juju. Yes. I think beyond not being wide receiver one, he's not wide receiper two in Pittsburgh anymore. What, he's just Johnson? not producing. Yeah. yeah For fantasy he's purposes, he's off, just man. disappeared. And it's not even like a bad offense. He's just... Nope. I don't know what offense. happened, man. Yeah. But, yeah. He's getting the same usage Ryan Switzer was getting in the Steelers offense back in 2018. That's per ESPN. Yikes. 19% um, of his routes are being targeted. Air yard distance per target is 4.6. He doesn't have like an injury anything, does he? 8.4. No, 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 no. They're just... Why, look, they should be trading him, man. If they've I mean, got these young guys... Like, it's not fantasy, though. It's harder to do and get accurate value for him. They're in a yeah, tough spot, so. man. I think Juju's problem, and we kind of saw this come in in college, but, is that he's the Claypool guy. He's Claypool. He is a really nice weapon to get the ball in his hands. He's not a number one. Line him up outside. He can't be like moved inside, out the slot. He's just kind of a raw ball of clay. You need to feed him easy touches and let him work um, after the catch. Now Claypool's that guy, and Juju's just not getting the touches, not producing when he does get the touches. And, yeah, you want to get rid of him, you're definitely not, like, starting or considering starting Juju at all. It's crazy. And back to the Drake part of this, do you think Drake, moving forward, like, has this quote-unquote fixed him? I don't know if he necessarily, like, I mean, he had a lingering injury to start the season, but I don't know if it's something that's been hampering him 
throughout because he's still been getting opportunity. But I think that the way that the coaching staff was utilizing him was improper before. And I think hopefully this has opened their eyes to the potential they have right there in front of them. Uh, obviously, we can't guarantee that. Um, but I want to look at their uh, their matchups coming up. But You saw you a difference in forward? usage in that game? Or did you see him get lucky and finally break a big oh one? Because that's what happened. They're using him the same way. It's just that all those runs up the middle, he finally broke a big one for 69 yards. Yeah. Which will happen from time to time. But here's the thing, guy. You and I can go back and forth about this for a minute. It doesn't matter because as poorly as he's played to this point, Kenyon Drake is fourth in the NFL in rushing yards per game. So it doesn't matter. That's how bad the running backs are at this point. So whether this has fixed Kenyon Drake forever or whether he's still the crappy running back we saw the first five weeks, it doesn't matter. You're stuck with him and you're going to have to start him because he's still one of the four best running backs in the NFL just by the simple fact he's getting the touches and he stayed healthy. So I think that's misleading, that's though. The deal. And to play devil's advocate to my own point here, which I don't want to do, but that one game, it just boosted all those metrics, but it covers up the fact that for, what is that, four other weeks, he was not really startable. Like, I think you should be looking more at weeks where he finished as X running back or as a startable, say, RB1, 2, or flex, like where he fit into those metrics rather than just volume metrics because when you say like season long like this is this is a weekly game where you have to choose on a week-by-week basis if you're going to play a guy and you need him to produce that week in order to win your matchup but if he has a, an absolutely monster one week and then four other duds that's not a valuable player at that point to me even though i but he's I still been a been more valuable train. start than most running backs i guess He's still an RB1 for production. He is. Teams coming up. I mean, the Seahawks, they play twice in the next four weeks, and the Seahawks have a dreadful offense or defense, sorry, and they run the score up. So I can see him being valuable in those games. Um, The Bills, that's going to be a tough game, although that's at home. Not that that really matters this season. They're playing against the Dolphins, who I think that's a middling defense. Pats, Rams, Giants is going to be a good one. Eagles is going to be a good one. Niners, mediocre. And then they finish out the season against the Rams. So I see some good opportunity on that schedule. I just, I mean, it just concerns me that how did they go from the end of last season, the way they utilized him in the passing game and everything else, like they just, they figured out his skill set, right? And then all of a sudden they come back to the start this season and they're just running him off the gut. Like didn't, they should. They of all people should understand that that's not who he is, and that's not who that they traded for. Yes, but doing man. that is what works in the offense. Yeah, they like everything that Kyler does well is all you know predicated on getting out of the pocket and the play action, and you can't mm-hmm. set that up if you don't run between the tackles. Mm-hmm. But the frustrating part, if you're a Kenyan Drake owner, is he's going to run it between the tackles between the twenties, and then he's not even going to get the touchdown because Kyler rushes it in in the red zone. Yep. And so as yeah. a fantasy owner, I just I, I don't see it being that lucrative for Kenyon Drake long term. Yeah, he'll get the yards, mm-hmm. but he's not going to get the touchdowns, and that's everything you need from your running backs. 
and he's not getting the receptions either, which yeah, is why there's such a difference in him being the fourth in the NFL in rushing yards, but being far from the fourth most productive running back in fantasy. He's not getting you the receptions. He's not getting you the touchdowns. That's the problem. But the volume is there, and it's just so hard to just – It's there. Yeah, you can't, you can't naysay the volume. I'm sorry, TK Freeze. We're all kind of stuck with uh, Drake, but I think we'd all agree. Tyler Boyd, Terry McLaurin, Chase Claypool, those are the guys you're starting. Uh, Jerry Judy is a wait-and-see deal right now. Yep. BG Durham asks, hey, guys, looking for some trade advice. I have both Kittle and Kelsey. Wow. And am trying to shop one of them. A team in my league is loaded at running back. Aaron Jones, James Conner, Jonathan Taylor, and James Robinson. They've approached me about a trade. Kelsey for Robinson and Ingram was their initial offer. Which of his running backs should I target? Which tight end should I try to keep? Part of me just wants to roll with both tight ends as my team has been crushing it lately. And my running backs, Davis McCaffrey, Gaskin, and Gordon are decent. But I know the smart move is probably to make a trade. Maybe I should target wide receivers since my guys, Cup, Jefferson, Chenault, Patrick, have been inconsistent. What do you guys think? Should I wait a couple weeks or pull the trigger now? I have a ton of trade leverage and a great team. feel like making yeah. the right move here could win the league. Sorry for the long post. Love the pod. Keep up the great work. Well, that's a lot of information. It's actually a lot of relevant information. So we actually thank you for giving that to us because it great makes this question. discussion easier. Great question. I would say let's start at the beginning. Yeah. You have tra- uh, Kittle Kelsey. Of nice. the two, I would rather be trading Kittle. I would want to hold on to Kelsey. Yes. A, because he has a better chance to stay healthy. B, because he's a part of a better offense. And C, because he's utilized in a more consistent fashion. Exactly. As for what you should be targeting, James Robinson, I'm off that train. I, I know that you were on that train early, mm-hmm. Dre, but I think you've cooled on it as well. Yeah, yeah. He I don't produced. really want anything to do with Jacksonville at this point. I would probably see James Conner. For all his injury woes, I would. that's probably who I think you have, A, the better chance of getting – and B, who I think has the best chance of returning your value on Kittle. Hmm. So James Conner is who I personally would be going for. After that, I, I do think... make a move, to be honest. I think he does. With, make, with Mike Davis, because he said he has Mike Davis. Mike Davis has about one to two more weeks of relevancy. And, and he has Christian McCaffrey, too. Come back. He has Davis, right. McCaffrey, Gaskin, Gordon. Yeah, but so Gordon is your running back, too, basically, or Gaskin, I guess? Right. Gaskin, it's the Carolina running back and Gaskin. Essentially, your other tight end is your flex. And yeah. then you should just need two wide receivers out of cup. Jefferson, Chanel, Patrick, love Jefferson. I can figure out the rest. I might be targeting more of an upgrade at wide receiver. If I can get an upgrade in the flex over Kittle at wide receiver, but, which I wouldn't assume... It? Kittle, Kittle would make – like, I can look right now, but I would say that per his numbers, he would probably be on par with most, like, yes. top wide receivers. So, at that on point, why would you On a per-game basis. That's what I'm saying. I, I think That's Justin's saying. right. Don't make a move and just flex yeah. Just roll with it. I could see you trying to get some running back depth there. I do agree with you there. But in terms of wide receiver two, wide receiver three, Kittle's probably going to give you more, you know, consistent points than anything but, you're going to be able to add. I think if you're targeting a team that is running back heavy, like we've talked in previous shows about how we value running backs so much higher than wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And I think that with tight end being so whack this year, 
if a guy is loaded at a running back and needs a tight end, I think you have leverage there. And running back, like you're able to take uh, like advantage of somebody who has, you know, this is like a market inefficiency, I guess. And if you're able to flip that into a running back asset, that would then be more valuable to other people. I would rather have that personally. I wouldn't be targeting a wide receiver, but I would be targeting a running back. And if you have a team that is rich at running back and you're rich at tight end, but they need a tight end, I think that you can, I think you can leverage that in your favor. Kittle right now, seventh highest in points per game among all flex options. The only players scoring more fantasy points on a per game basis than him are Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, Travis Fulgham, Zeke Elliott. So basically, of all the options, Elliott, wow. you either get Aaron Jones out of this for Kittle, or oh. that's it. There's no reason to insist on. Why would you trade Kittle for James Conner, man, if you're trying I, I to win I guess that's that? where I'm at. Is I, I just don't think the compensation equals that. I know you're never yeah. going to get perfect, but Conner's that's, such a risk with his injuries. Right. And yeah. you know, most oh, of their man. points come through the air. I, I just think not positional evaluation as is much. different. But fair. you're just trying to give advice to on how to win his league this year. And I think there's no argument that Kittle's a better flex option than Connor. The only upgrade on Kittle of the guys we've been told potentially to upgrade on is Aaron Jones. So I'd say Aaron Jones, Jones, Jones or bust. So Jones is cool. I'd consider that one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the only accurate value, and you're probably not going to get that, so you might as well stay put. I guess, yeah. Uh, I guess that's what we've arrived at. I mean, he's got three just, top I'm, 20 I'm guys. Think on the flip side of this, if I'm the guy that's being offered Kittle, I just, I, I, I think that, like, if you just straight up looked at points like you're saying, like, if you put wide receivers and running backs into the mix of, like, who's scoring more points, you know, it's like, well, these guys are scoring equal points, a wide receiver and a running back. Would you have rather have the wide receiver or the running back? You would take the running back because it's positional scarcity, right? I mean, yes. It also depends on your replacement level players. But that's my point. If you're just equating the points that they're producing and not taking I know, but account, let's use the actual example we have here. So Evan Ingram would now be the, the alternative at tight end. And it's no, no, because you have Kelsey, James Connor, Jonathan Taylor, James Robinson. Because you're not getting Aaron Jones. You don't. There's need no Aaron Ingram at that point because you have Travis Kelsey. Right, but there's still like this person is upgrading from Ingram to Kittle, and you are taking one of those running backs. Who's winning that trade? I think it's a win-win because you're not starting all those running backs, are you? Should we make a bet? James Connor <laughs> Kittle outscores James Connor the rest of the year. Like, cause that's what you're saying though, man, you, you are philosophizing on an actual question, an actual physical example where it is kind of inarguable that Kittle is the best option in this person's flex team flex spot. I think that settles uh, it. That settles it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Before we get into that, I want to remind you to support our presenting sponsor, the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMBR. When you sign up, you get this can't-miss offer. You can pick 
either Minnesota or Michigan this week. It also is valid for the Major League Baseball and UFC. You bet $1 on one of those teams or athletes in the top fight of the UFC fight um, on Saturday. Bet $1 to win 100 if they win. That's $1 to win 100 when you sign up using promo code DNVR. For limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthroughs. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, moving on. BJ Durham also says, since I'm already here, I might as well add I've received another trade offer of DJ Moore, Renfro and Chase Esmonds for Kittle. Uh, yeah. Um, and then follow-up to that follow-up was just offered Hill and Claypool for either tight end. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts. Hill Claypool, yes. The first one, no. I think that I'm, especially when you have like a really good player like that, I'm never really a fan of diversifying assets like that. But for Hill, Claypool, those are two very good assets. And those are guys that I'd be willing to buy into. But the other one is just, I don't know. Because you only have so many roster spots on your team. I'd rather consolidate and then make way more pick us behind them. First one's a terrible offer. Right. But but Hill and Claypool for Kittle is what I would be doing. That sounds viable to me, man. Justin? That's a lot better deal than the running back deal we were just talking about. Yeah, especially when we went through our draft uh, show – I was talking about how I didn't like Tyreek Hill, uh, personality notwithstanding, but because he was a uh, he was a very boomer bust candidate. But I want to take a look at his points from this year, and I, I I think that he's upped his consistency a lot, and I think that that makes him more valuable to me. Even though like on a on a on a year wide basis, if he scored the same amount of points but was super boomer bust, I wouldn't have as much faith in him as I do at this point when he's consistently getting double digits like his highest score is maybe like a 24 but his lowest is like a 12 i think he has a six point outlier but this is tyreek hill we're talking about um really hope so who else would it be it's such a good deal that i wonder if it's brian hill or kj hill or because this is an incredible deal like i i might just take claypool and brian hill for kittle like what that's something I would consider. I'm that high on Claypool, and Brian Hill might have some decent value. But if you can get two, I mean, to me, Hill and and Claypool, no, that's a that's a significant. Man. I wouldn't take. I mean, that, yeah, I was gonna say that's a fucking. Sorry for the swearing, but that's a really good uh, that's a really good deal right there. But if it was Brian Hill, I'm not taking that. Would you like to spend 20 minutes on if it is Brian Hill, would we take it or not? Or should we sure, move let's, on, guy? Right, let's let's, let's, wait, let's take 30 minutes. <laughs> like, you know, not every very combative mood today. 20 minute discussion. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> um, well, and then we have one last question. If a guy is going to be kicked off the show, if he doesn't answer this correctly. So you've been warned, okay. guy. King Medicine says, hey, hey, y'all, should I trade a 2023, 2023 first-round pick for Le'Veon Bell in a dynasty league? He already has Barkley, Carson, and Eckler. Obviously a need at running back right now, but long-term not a huge need. Thanks. P.S. Love the fantasy pod. I really appreciate that. 
Um, yeah, you should take a first rounder for Le'Veon Bell. Not even a question. I, 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 Justin, no, I think he's, feel... he's trading. He's trading the first round pick for Le'Veon Bell. Should I trade a 2023 first for Le'Veon Bell? Wow. No, no. absolutely not. No. Absolutely. Oh, uh, the 2023 is a, a long ways away, but at the same time, like... Suckers, Bell. Yeah, aren't there... I feel like there... Most leagues have rules about trading picks that are too far in the future because you can just... My leagues are usually... the future of a team like that just to try and win in the short term, and then if it doesn't work out, you just quit. My leagues are two years ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, I think, I think there's a caveat where it can be three years ahead, but you have to have paid for year two already in advance. See, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, 2023 is like, uh, that makes me wary that someone would be willing that. to trade a pick like that. But, I mean, uh, Justin, there's a lot of, you know, that we obviously influence each other by doing this show twice a week. But <laughs> what are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs and his fantasy viability? I think he's going to put up some points. I don't, I don't know if it's worth giving up a first-round pick, even if it's, you know, way in the future, just because it's all hypothetical yeah. at this point. You really, you don't know what you're going to get. You like to think that, putting him in a system run by Andy Reid is going to do good things for him like it has for basically every running back that's ever played for Andy Reid. No, that's a good point. But they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, yeah. and they just spent a first-round pick on him. Yeah. He just went off this last week after having a couple of you know good games but relatively quiet, at least compared to that hot start he got. Totally. I don't know. I, I don't think I would be willing to do it. And right. like Guy says, I'm not even sure – your league would be willing to let something like this happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, I would I would probably be vetoing this trade just purely on that. Not because I think it's an unfair trade, but because I don't want someone to trade a pick that far in the future oh, and I then risk care. them quitting and then someone else has to take over a team that's bunk. But I will say, Le'Veon, he even said to the media, he knows he's playing second fiddle and he doesn't care because he wants to win a championship and he wants to be on a functional team rather than the dysfunctional Jets. Yeah. So he knows he's second fiddle, but like Clyde well, Hilaire, he he's though? the future. It's one thing to say it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Do you know? And the other thing to me is in a dynasty format, don't think he's going to be at the Chiefs for the next like till 2023 when you have to give up that pick. The Who should have been the Super Bowl MVP? I always get their names confused. It's Damian Williams. Um, he's holding out this year, but he'll be back. And he's a very solid second running back. He's younger than Le'Veon and understands this offense more and has shown the ability to be fairly productive in it too. So I think Le'Veon's just a bit of fool's gold. In fact, if I were to handicap ceilings, just ceilings, not floors, not like an average production, but just ceilings. Not walls. Antonio Brown has the highest ceiling of between him and Le'Veon. Fantasy wise, mm. I'd agree. For just this season or for in general, just this season in general too. I, oh. I feel that way. This season, then yeah, it's Antonio Brown. In general, I mean, I think this is like Antonio Brown's going to get a shot. He'll have like maybe one or two good games, and then he'll fade back into irrelevancy. I think Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's what he's twenty seven, twenty eight. Mm. or is he nearing 30 
Either way, I think this like you're saying, you right now, but yeah, but like you're saying, he has a chance to go to another team after this. Like if he produces, and then he can get another contract with another team, I think he has a better chance to stay relevant for the future. But I also wouldn't be spending a 2023 first round pick on him. He's 28. By comparison, David Johnson's 28. Todd Gurley's 26. Melvin Gordon's 27. Antonio Brown Early is 32. Old 26. Yeah, uh, but for running backs, yeah, 28 dude. is old, man. But oh, yeah. I, I will Dan say... Anderson like, couldn't get a job at 29. So. Yeah, I know. But Anderson also wasn't Le'Veon Bell. But um, oh, I will say that when we talked about this before, my desire to pick up Le'Veon Bell was before he got signed by the Chiefs. And I think this is kind of one of the worst scenarios for him because there's already a clear running back one that's the future of the franchise. Right. I was hoping, like, if he went to, like, the Patriots, like... Buffalo? There's a chance he could just absolutely... Well, I don't think so in Buffalo because they drafted Zach Moss. But... Well, he'd be productive this year where it's just been Singletary and no one else. I still think Singletary's good. Uh-huh. But in, in New England, he has a chance to just fully take over that role and just make it his backfield. But, That's I true. Mean, you only got to beat out Rex now. Burkhead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and Damien... Uh, was Damien Harris and... Uh, Oh my God, James, James White. White. Tony Michelle's injured. So Michelle. They got like nine running backs at yeah. any given time. Yeah, we don't need to spend twenty minutes on this. Like some people do. have said, Damon Harris will be a a breakout star this week. We shall see. You can roll the dice on that one, but best of luck. I have many dice on that. Best of luck predicting who the Patriots running back who produces on a week-by-week basis is. All right, we've actually ran out of time. Uh, So tune into the tailgate Sunday mornings to look for more start sits. I'm glad we were able to sink our teeth in on all these trade proposals, though. Um, I know our guy, Ryan Konigsberg, is trying to trade OBJ in an attempt to rebuild in a dynasty. I apparently really like OBJ compared to everyone else. I think in a dynasty format, he's still incredibly valuable, but he's not seeming to find some good offers. I've had some um, some of my own offers we will mull through over um, the next couple weeks, the next couple shows. Justin, we'll have to have you on again here soon to talk about some more fantasy stuff, maybe a, one of those Tuesday shows to recap the week or another of these Thursday shows. So thank you for coming on, brother. Thank you, Guy, for making the time, and thank you all for providing those questions and listening in. We really appreciate it. We will catch you again on Tuesday. Later. Cool.